This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 12.03 on March 20th, 2023. Good afternoon and thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. There are political implications to the choice of a site for next summer's Democratic National Convention. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, the coming days will include closely watched data on home sales and orders for durable goods, plus even more focus on the Fed policy. Let's get a preview from Gus Fauché, chief economist at P. PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. And Gus, obviously, uh, the recent bank failures have been dominating the headlines, but a lot of that has been driven by stubborn inflation that Americans are grappling with. And that's obviously going to be a focus this week with the Fed. Right. The Fed has a difficult job ahead of them. They have to balance the problems that we've seen in the banking system. Those have been exacerbated by high interest rates, and yet the Fed continues to deal with high inflation. And the way to deal with high inflation is raising interest rates, which could make the problems in the financial system worse. So the Fed needs to balance those two objectives in deciding whether to raise rates this week. I think we will see the Fed increase the Fed funds rate by a quarter of a percentage point on Wednesday afternoon. And let's put this into perspective because it's now been one year since the central bank began its latest round of rate hikes. So what does this mean for consumers? We're a year into this. Uh, At one point, I mean, inflation has spiked to a 40-year high. We have seen inflation slow. There's no question about that, that it's not as bad as it was in mid-2022, but it is still high, and we continue to see high food inflation, and it is taking a toll on consumers. Um, The On the other hand, what we've also seen is that it's more expensive to borrow to buy a home. It's more expensive to borrow to buy a car. And the Fed is hoping that these higher interest rates will be enough of a drag on consumer spending, on business investment, that they can slow the economy without causing a recession. But it's it's a difficult job, and the Fed just may not be able to pull that off. Now, obviously, uh, inflation has weighed on just about every aspect of the economy. We're also perhaps expecting that this week with the housing market and expecting a report uh, to tomorrow on existing home sales. Any sort of preview or predictions there? Um, we may see a slight pickup in home sales. We've seen, a, uh, you know, rates have, did come down uh, earlier this year. We saw a slight pickup in mortgage applications. Uh, but I think that overall, the de- trend in the housing market is still down. Fewer housing starts, fewer home sales, and falling home values as it becomes more expensive to, to finance a house, given the, the big increase in mortgage rates that we've seen uh, over the past year and a half or so. And finally, I do want to touch on on durable goods and what we can expect for orders of durable goods, because that's also usually a pretty good indicator of, of where the economy is at. 
Yeah, so uh, you know, I expect to see a big increase of about 1.7 percent in uh, orders uh, for durable goods, but a lot of that is going to come from aircraft, and those tend to be lumpy. But if you look at underlying trends, they're still pretty solid. I think that businesses with the tight labor market are investing in order to get more out of their existing workforces. Uh, that being said, I would expect to see a downturn in business investment later this year because of those high interest rates that we're seeing throughout the economy. Thanks so much, Gus Fauché, Chief Economist at PNC Financial Services. Coming up, where Chicago stands in the competition to host next year's Democratic National Convention. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chicago, Atlanta, and New York, all in the running to host the 2024 Democratic National Convention. So let's talk about that battle, which includes political implications with Andy Shaw, a longtime ABC7 political reporter and former head of the Better Government Association. Andy, the last time the DNC was in Chicago was in 1996. And if I'm not mistaken, you might have been there. Are you sure you're old enough to remember that? <laughs> I'm not going to date myself or you, but I just want to point out it's been a minute since we've had yes. something of this magnitude in Chicago. And it was one of my most enjoyable ABC7 political assignments. It's such fun to have a convention when everything goes well. Now, I was too young in 1968 when the city was in chaos. This was the anti-war protest troubles downtown, which created one of the worst Democratic conventions in history and put a black mark on Chicago for two decades. 96 erased that. It was a brilliant convention. This was the Clinton-Gore re-election year. Everything went extremely well. And interestingly enough, the overseer of that convention was Rich Daly's brother, Bill, who later lost that bid for the mayor's race last time around. In any event, Chicago is well-positioned. We have the United Center, a wealthy governor, J.B. Pritzker, who would kick in some dollars if necessary. Easy access to voters in Indiana, Wisconsin, and that could be beneficial in Michigan because those are swing states. Chicago's well-positioned. New York has the glitz, obviously the glamour. It's the media center. They're used to doing this. Madison Square Garden is a great venue. I covered a Republican convention there. It was excellent in every way. But Atlanta's the dark horse. This is the South where the Democrats have done poorly overall. They need more penetration in the South. And when you have North Carolina close by, South Carolina close by, and you're in Georgia, you have a chance to really make an impact on the voters in those states. Those are states that are harder for Democrats. The problem with Atlanta is Georgia is a right-to-work state controlled largely by Republicans. There are only two union hotels in downtown Atlanta compared to 45 in Chicago, hundreds in New York. The Democratic Party needs the support of labor to do well, but they also need big African-American support. And you get that in, in big terms in the South, in Georgia and those states. So Joe Biden, the president who's going to be running for reelection, has a very tough call in deciding among these three states all have advantages and all have a few drawbacks. Well, Andy, I quickly want to ask you, let's say that Chicago wins the bid. What kind of message does that send about President Biden's potential re-election campaign? Well, it sends a good message in terms of valuing a blue state that's been a loyal Democratic state. As I said, 
the media coverage there will reach Michigan, Wisconsin, and Indiana, which is helpful because those are tougher, tougher states. The problem we have is this perception of Chicago right now as crime-ridden, unfriendly to business because companies have been departing, high-tax state, people are leaving. So Chicago, wonderful city that we know and love, is also in tough straits in terms of national perceptions. So it's a good chance to make Chicago look good again, but does the Democratic Party want to come here when many of its problems, including urban crime, would be on display. And so that's that's the trick. You need independent voters in a, in a presidential election. And where do you pick them off? Would it be Chicago, New York or Atlanta? I'm sure Joe Biden and his political team are, are parsing all of those questions. I'd love to see it come back to Chicago. We'd host a great convention. But are we the best place for his re-election. That will be his determination. Thanks so much, Andy Shaw, WBBM political analyst. Up next, a TV streaming service is imposing yet another price hike. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The cost of YouTube TV is going up after staying steady for the past three years. Let's get the details from Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group here in Chicago. And Tim, it's like a delayed bait and switch. Oh, wow. That's, is that too mean? Really feel, Rachel. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of consumers uh, sort of feel like uh, they have been duped a bit in that the whole streaming phenomenon uh, was supposed to be uh, this sort of, I guess, television nirvana that would allow uh, us to kind of access stuff that we really want and we don't have to subscribe to things we don't want and we can perhaps uh, get rid of the sort of linear cable bundle, which has been going up for years uh, along the way. And now it seems, I guess to your comment, that you know, here we are now at a time when it's almost $75, a, a, sorry, $73 a month, uh, YouTube TV's new pricing. Uh, it feels a lot like a cable subscription. Uh, and now I'm also paying for various uh, streaming services on top of that. So where did my cost savings go, I guess? And and maybe that's kind of what you're getting at. That is. My, my point is this, is I don't know anyone that exclusively subscribes to just one streaming service. Maybe they're out there, but if you're like me, you've got Hulu, Netflix, YouTube TV, depending on the content, Apple TV, depending on the shows that you're trying to watch. And so, it, yes, one price hike here and there may not seem like much, but when you put them all together, it starts to make cable look real good again. Well, it's, that's certainly a possible uh, line of thinking, right? Because it is, I mean, the beauty of cable is essentially it, it coalesces everything into sort of one linear bundle. And that's what YouTube TV is, along with companies like Philo and Fubo TV, and there are a handful of others. They're basically cable TV replacement services. And what that is, is really just 
aggregating linear television channels uh, into a form factor that's a little bit easier to access via streaming and online and that kind of stuff. Now, technically, right, that's actually an easier way to kind of maybe also add in uh, your subscription services, your subscription uh, streaming services. And I think what you're going to sort of see is the, re the revenge of cable, I guess, in that linear TV channels aren't necessarily going away, but they certainly are getting more flexible. And that's certainly what a YouTube TV brings to the table. And that is a bit of uh, sanity when it comes to uh, having all of my channels in one place, including, by the way, my broadcast TV channels, which ironically we can get for free over the air with the, an antenna. So that's also part of the, why the prices are going up on these streaming, um, uh, like the YouTube TV services. So, you know, it's certainly more confusing, but let's, let's be honest, money has to be made, content has to be paid, uh, and consumers are going to have to bear the brunt of, of that, regardless of what form factor is coming into their houses. Thanks so much for the insight. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group here in Chicago. Still ahead, some investment ideas from our Monday stock picker. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. I'm Rachel Pearson, filling in for Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A three year major construction project gets underway tonight on the Kennedy Expressway. Today marks the 20 year anniversary of the start of the war in Iraq. There are things you can do to prevent falling prey to a cyber stalker. Plus, it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of suggestions from a portfolio pro. Markets continue to trade higher. AccuWeather says we can expect a mix of sun and clouds throughout the day are high 52 degrees mostly cloudy this evening with a low of 37 then take today copy it paste it into tomorrow more clouds than sun but a high of 53 degrees the wbbm noon business hour continues a major construction project on the kennedy expressway will get underway late tonight in the first phase of the work the reversible lanes will be available only to inbound traffic that's due to the closing of regular lanes here's idot spokeswoman maria castaneda Think about it. You'll have your full mainline outbound lanes, but you'll no longer have those extra two lanes of outbound express, you know, to be leaving the city. The project involving a seven and a half mile stretch of heavily used road is projected to take three years to complete. Today marks two decades since the U.S. invaded Iraq. CBS's Cammie McCormick reports on a meeting that took place in Brussels today. 20 years later, U.S. and NATO troops are still in Iraq under a security agreement. We stand together in fighting terrorism to promote stability, and we are stepping up what we do together. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg met with the Iraqi foreign minister today. The meeting today is a way for us to take stock and to exchange views on how we can further strengthen our partnership, how we can do more together. More than 2,500 American troops are still in Iraq, and during a recent visit to Baghdad, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin indicated they'll remain if Iraq wants them. An exhibit being unveiled at the Cook County building this afternoon is dedicated to military members who lost their lives serving the country, including in the Iraq War. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets remain higher. We're joined this afternoon by Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial here in Chicago. And Jeff, there's certainly been a lot of concern surrounding the banking sector. First, the closure of SVB, then Credit Suisse getting bought out by its rival UBS. Is the worst over? Uh, I think it is, Rachel. A lot of jitters, a lot of anxiety in the marketplace. 
very different than the Lehman Brothers incident. This is a situation where it was Silicon Valley Bank. It was mismanaged treasuries, and they had mismanaged treasuries, and they weren't able to account for the redemptions because they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. They were trying to get more yield. As we've seen interest rates go up, they went further on the curve. So this is uh, not a, a crisis in my mind. It's just a situation. It's a short-term painful situation. And now you're seeing the First Republic Bank. That's the, the latest uh, problem and bruise right now on Wall Street. And Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan is actually leading efforts to kind of come up with a, a rescue plan there. So I don't think there's panic in the marketplace. However, we are all looking towards Fed Chairman Paul on Wednesday. We've seen this historic move in interest rates. The 10-year note went from 1.5% to nearly 4.5% in less than a year. These are the ripple effects. These are the ramifications. People aren't used to or conditioned to this type of environment. So I think the Fed may actually, there's a 30% chance they may sit on their hands, take a pause in their interest rate campaign, which has been combating inflation. So it's a very dynamic and fluid situation. But I have cautious optimism here that we didn't have a subprime crisis, Rachel. What we have is a mismanaged treasury book. But at the end of the day, the U.S. Treasury Department, the full faith of the U.S. government, we are going to be OK. We're going to get through it. It's just a lot of pain. and A lot of people are getting hurt. Yeah. Now, I want to circle back to the Fed Reserve because you, you sort of alluded to the fact that it's been fighting inflation. And I might put a little asterisk there and say it's attempting to fight inflation for the last 12 months uh, because there is still a belief that we could still see another 25 basis point hike. Uh, consumers uh, still spending. There have been moments where it seems that inflation is still running rampant despite these rate hikes. So at what point do we do we tip the scale too far and have this hard landing into a recession? Well, the Fed's notoriously uh, tipped uh, the pendulum and swung the pendulum too far. But but the funny thing about this, or the sad thing about this, Rachel, is that the Federal Reserve are the ones that created inflation. They expanded the balance sheet, and they had interest rates way too long, too low. And now here we are trying to deal with this rate normalization process. So the Fed, a bunch of academics, never really traded. They certainly weren't in the Chicago Board of Trade pits with me when we were trading Treasury futures back in the day. But they have a hard time getting their pulse on it. So you're absolutely right. They are going to probably do too much. But what I take solace in the fact that their balance sheet, they still have an $8 trillion dollar balance sheet, which is very swollen. If you go back to 2007, Rachel, the balance sheet of the Fed was $450 billion with a B. And now here we are at $8 trillion and more. So I think that's the shock absorber. So I don't foresee a hard landing, but it is choppy. And we're seeing the volatility pick up. And we're seeing nervousness. But I think the market will get through this event. This is not a systemic risk to the U.S. economy. Well, and we've now cleared earnings season. So I'm curious what's been your takeaway, especially when we're talking about forward guidance. Well, foreign guidance is very important, and a lot of uh, folks are just as uncertain as the Fed are about what is coming next three to six months. But the one uh, resonating factor during earnings season is that there's strength in the consumer still. And that makes me believe that some form of recession, mild or not, is pushed out another year. And if you remember, Rachel, that post-term, that post-year after mid-election, that term election we had last November, we always see a move higher. Historically speaking, the S&P 500, on average, in a post-midterm election year, is up 16%. So I think there's calmer waters, but the next month or so, as we still kind of get through what the Fed is going to do, are they going to pause? Are they going to pivot? That's what everyone is really hinging on globally. Yeah, and what advice then do you give individual investors that are sort of hanging on to that, that thread? 
Well, I'm going to go back to beat my drum. You know, I manage the essential 40 portfolio, and those are really boring, but boring is sexy, Rachel. So you talk about names like International Paper. You talk about Archer Daniels, Midland, Lockheed Martin, Oracle, Berkshire Hathaway. Some of these names that maybe don't get all the sizzle and the attention on some of the financial news networks, but if you own these names, that can really help mitigate risk to the downside. And that's exactly what these boring blue chip names did in 2022. Thanks so much. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial here in Chicago. Up next, we'll talk about ways to prevent being cyber stalked. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. If you're facing online harassment, there are steps you can take to improve the situation. There are also some things you can do to maintain cybersecurity during a spring break trip. Let's get some help this afternoon from Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and host of the podcast What the Heck with Adam Levin, based in Nashville, Tennessee. And Adam, uh, I perhaps had my first exposure to this working in television of a cyber stalker, and it has just become an increasingly common trend uh, for anyone. So what are some ways that we can protect ourselves and our information. All right. Hi, Rachel. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, first, and I call this kind of the big seven, but first, lock down your social media accounts. So make sure that your social media sharing settings are to friends only, uh, because that will kind of limit the universe. Secondly, delete your information from data broker sites, because a lot of websites are out there that will publicly list your address pass address, and contact information. This will give them an opportunity to track you down. You can contact them individually to remove your information, which can be a real pain. Or you can use a paid service such as Delete Me, or some of the credit reporting agencies are doing uh, a, an inventory of your privacy to determine where you're out. Uh, also, use a separate email account for dating or social sites. And if, Because if you meet someone online and they start getting concerningly friendly, you have a separate account that you can basically shut off. Use an alias on social media sites. There's a lot of people that do it. Not a bad idea. Also use anti-malware or spyware software on your devices, because if you're concerned that your communications are being intercepted, security software can help identify malicious programs. Also change your passwords. There are so many passwords out there because of all the breaches and leaks and compromises and if you're using the same password across your universe of accounts, you're giving a cyber stalker the ability to log into your account and surveil you. And the last thing is scan for physical tracking devices. Now, newer models of iPhones will alert you if you're near one of their AirTag devices. And Android phones also have Bluetooth detecting apps that can tell if there's a tracker near you. Now, Adam, you earlier mentioned in one of your, and I'm going to, I think it was maybe even your first or second point in your list here, was that, that there are data broker sites uh, that are pawning off your personal information. But how do you even know that those sites have your personal information? Well, one of the ways is you, you go to a, a, either a paid firm like Delete Me, which is owned by Abine, or the credit reporting agencies, they will do a, an analysis of where your information is out. You can also Google yourself and see from these Google searches uh, where your information appears. may not have the full list, but it will have a significantly large list. And what you do is then you can go to each of those sites individually, which is time-consuming, uh, or you can, again, go to a paid a company that will go to each of these sites and will demand that your information is removed. 
Yeah, and I think the overall theme here, less is more. The less information you can put out about yourself, your whereabouts, your passwords, those kinds of things, the better off you are protecting yourself from from cybersecurity. I think the most important thing is think minimalist. Uh, The more minimalist you can be with your data, the better you will be when it comes to having a, a safer and more secure life. Thanks so much, Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout based in Nashville. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday and lending his expertise today is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services based in Hammond, Indiana. Chuck, glad to have you with us. What's your first pick? Well, the first pick is a, a small cap company. It's Terex. The symbol is T-E-X. It trades for about $47 a share, down from a 52-week high of $60. Uh, the company makes aerial work platforms and other material processing machinery. So it's it's kind of that cyclical company that, that we kind of like right now. It's a kind of a cyclical growth stock. Their earnings and sales should increase this year and next. The company has had rising earnings estimates for 2023 and 2024. So it's one of the rare companies where you're seeing earnings actually trending higher. They've had strong earnings beats in the last four quarters. You get a a dividend yield of about 1.2%. And again, it's a stock that is in kind of that gross cyclical category, which we like right now. That's Terex, symbol TEX, and it trades for about $47 a share. Perfect. And your second pick? Second pick is also another small cap stock. It's Excellus Technologies. The symbol is ACLS. The stock trades for about $131 a share. Uh, The stock has had a nice run, uh, but we think there's still further upside. It's in the semiconductor space. Uh, It's a semiconductor equipment manufacturer. And I know the semis have been a lot in the news in the last few months, and a lot of the stocks have taken on the chin. This is one that's showing pretty good resiliency, and I like stocks. In, in groups that, that are outperforming the group, and Excellus is doing that. Sharply rising earnings estimates here. I think you're going to see really good earnings and sales growth this year and next. Uh, again, it's Excellus Technology, symbol ACLS, and the stock trades for about $131 a share. Thanks so much, Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond, Indiana. You can check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. And if you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly. That's at WBBMNewsRadio.com and on the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.